Hi everyone, this is Graham Cowan, and welcome to the Caring CEO Podcast. We created this podcast because we believe that every leader's number one priority is to build a more caring and resilient team who enjoys growing together. It is my job to interview CEOs and other senior leaders who value building both a culture of care and a culture of high performance. I'm very keen to understand how they do this, and I'm sure there'll be lots of insights and tips for anyone who wants to build a high-performing team. My guest today is Derek Borian, who is the co-founder and CEO of the Altius Group. Derek started this business 21 years ago when it provided rehabilitation services to injured workers, and they've now grown to over 700 employees in 60 locations. They're now a fully leading integrated HR and workplace rehabilitation and health organization. I first met Derek when I spoke at a conference a number of years ago, and he asked me to speak at their annual conference and then to do some work with his leadership team. I was immediately impressed with him and his team, and we became good friends. As you'll see, he's a very values-driven leader, and he always strives to simplify things, and we could all learn something from that. I remember meeting him at a cafe in Chatswood and first showing him on the back of a napkin the eye care framework that I'd developed to help people recover from mental health issues. So the eye care stood for identify, compassion, access experts, revitalizing work and exercise. He was a real fan right from the start and it gave me the confidence to really progress this concept and that framework is now integral to our scalable We Care 365 learning programs that help prevent mental health issues. Derek and I had a wide ranging discussion and I think you'll find some of his beliefs and routines that he talks about in this podcast really interesting. In particular, he describes how he structures his Mondays with all his direct reports to get the week off to a great start. I've seen firsthand how Derek champions a culture of care and high performance, and I know you'll hear many valuable tips from him. Enjoy. It's a real pleasure to welcome Derek Borian to The Caring CEO. Welcome, Derek. Thanks for having me, Brian. It's great to catch up, Derek, because uh, we've known for each other for quite a while, and um, I guess have seen each other's journey along the way. But um, one question I really want to ask you and get your perspective on is, what does care in the workplace mean to you? Oh, it's a great question. I mean, firstly, care means for me a, a deep um, empathy and and relationship with my team and and. Um, that's with with everyone in the organisation. I think that becomes more challenging as the organisation grows. But having a, a connection, a relationship um, with with the team that um, where they appreciate uh, the intent and um, and the purpose of of uh, the organisation and and the empathy that I can extend and we can extend as leaders throughout the organisation to each other and to our team uh, with respect to the work that we do. I think that's that's really important. I think also caring is like an, it's like an unwavering fairness that pervades, you know, it's something that needs to be, to be constant, to be consistent, to be reliable. And so that sort of integrity in our approach of how we, we work with each other and how we deal with each other and how we communicate, you know, 
challenging situations, um, great situations, good wins, the, the opportunities missed. Those things are really important to, to I think, establishing a caring organisation. And, of course, all the other things that sit around supporting team members and where they might be personally and professionally, I think, are really important as well. So the, the sort of um, mechanisms, the processes and, and the support networks that we have around individuals um, and around the business, I think is really important as well. So, you know, there's no, there's probably no one answer to, to what care looks like, but ultimately I think it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's a real concept of, of conveying and demonstrating and creating safety in the work environment for people to, to, to bring their best selves and to be their best uh, both professionally but also, you know, take that back and, and be, be great personally as well. Yeah, that's a, a really good, um, you know, comprehensive answer. For the purpose of um, our listeners, can you just explain what Altius does? Sure. Well, Altius is um, has a very clear purpose in elevating the well-being of individuals and organisations um, that we work with. And so we do that by providing a suite of services that cover everything from sort of injury prevention and safety in the workplace, both physical and psychological safety, mm-hmm. um, right through to um, uh, support in the event um, of a critical incident or an injury or an illness um, and a short-term or a long-term disability. So we're really, you know, we're really about elevating well-being of, of people and organisations. Yeah, and uh, as I understand it, you sort of started primarily with the rehabilitation side of things, and these are people that have been injured in work and, um, you know, you're there to coach and guide and encourage them to come back. And, uh, you know, I know from my experience of being on claim a long time ago, admittedly, and it wasn't for workers' comp, it was for income protection insurance, I didn't have anything like that. And uh, I know how hard that is where you basically get managed by letters, <laughs> you know, receive letters to go here or go there with now overarching side of that. And, and, and I would suspect that, you know, providing care to those injured workers would be a foundation for recovery, right? Most definitely. I mean, I think, you know, unfortunately sort of compensable schemes, whether they be income protection or workers' compensation or, or motor accidents type schemes, they do make people seeker. <laughs> their intent is to, is to restore their health and their well-being and their function. Um, but by by function of their of the processes um, required to, to to go through a claims process to prove your incapacity, to prove your unwell, um, to be entitled to benefits, the, the schemes themselves um, make people more unwell. And so the comparative recovery of someone within a, comp- a compensable scheme versus outside of it um, is different. And I've always been fascinated by, um, by that. I've always been fascinated by what makes people, uh, what makes people tick, what their challenges are, what prevents them from recovering, what enables them to recover, what keeps them healthy beyond, um, beyond any involvement from a health professional. Those things are really fascinating to me. And I think that that sort of fascination's always driven um, the interest in being exceptionally good at 
supporting people who've been injured, um, supporting people with long and short-term disabilities, um, whether they be physical or psychological. So um, the great thing about that is there's a really strong commercial outcome for employers and for insurers in getting that right. And I think historically that's been um, quite poorly understood. And, mm. and I think even today, in today's context, there's still a lot of leaders, a lot of um, organisations that don't, really comprehend the link between you know a healthy uh, individual and um, a great high performing workplace and so those are those are really um, foundational things that interest me because there's there's good outcomes for all the parties involved yeah it's a real win-win-win isn't it it's um mm. and and you know, the other element, of course, and you, you would know this 100%, is that work can be really good for us. Work can help with recovery. And, uh, you know, people think the dream is to, you know, take a lot of time off to recover. Uh, my experience was that doesn't work very well. And I'm sure you'd have found that just so many times as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's it's interesting that, um, again, that sort of thought about having time off or being being left alone, those sorts of things um, still pervade. They're still um, a part of a bit of a, a, a psyche. I think that gets established when when someone's when someone's hurt or injured. Mm. Um, but we really know very strongly how how incredibly um, important work is for our health and well being. We know it's important to our self esteem, to our um, ability to feel productive and engaged, to our social um, connection to our sense of self-worth so um, the, fina the financial benefits of being independent so these things work brings all of that and it, and um, you know I guess anchored in all of our um, our thinking and anchored in in the way we operate is this belief this knowledge this scientific knowledge that work is good for us you know it, it just is and so um, Whilst there is, you know, no doubt when when um, when someone's hurt or injured, there is this sort of sense of if I have time off, I'll be okay. But you know, that's that's certainly contrary to what we know is is true through through science and empirical research. And um, and again, you know, creating that link, creating that understanding, mm. educating our clients and educating our, um, our our corporate clients and our insurers on how important those things are and how important work is in the lives of individuals um, is a very powerful tool for us. Um, yeah, yeah. And and you started or co-founded uh, Audius 21 years ago and you now have, uh, you know, 700 people in 60 different locations. Can you just give us a bit of an overview about <laughs> what happened in those 21 years? <laughs> Did you want the short version or the long yeah. version? Maybe the short version. Maybe I think. the short version. Um, well, what happened was I think that there, it was clear that um, there was an opportunity to do things better than than uh, than what was was present at that time. So, twenty one years ago, uh, the things we're talking about today weren't talked talked about. Um, the approach in bringing um, a skill set into 
enabling you know people to get back to work quickly um, and effectively and working really closely and understanding them as individuals mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't a common approach um, there was as your experience highlighted earlier an approach of you know managing through through letters or um, uh, in a very sort of impersonal way and clearly when we're talking about individuals we're talking about you know very personal circumstances that is that are completely unique to each individual. And so I guess, you know, starting starting, uh, what was Rehab Services back in in 21 years ago and then developing Altius um, was, was, yeah, a a journey of, you know, uh, from my my parents' living room (laughs) uh, (laughs) where we are today 21 years ago, overnight successes we've talked about, (laughs) right? Um, So through that there's, there's been countless challenges but what's always held true is the fact that um, bringing the experience of different skill sets so my my background is occupational therapy Um, there are things that I can solve uh, professionally for it for a client who's had an injury but there are many things I can't solve and my skill set doesn't doesn't enable me to do that so working with professionals, health professionals and clinicians with different skill sets and bringing that together in an integrated way so that the client benefits from that and recovers more rapidly, more effectively and more sustainably um, is has been, I guess, the driving force around continuing to build Altius into what it is today and what it will continue to be into the future. And that is something that's very um, uh personally tailored for an individual um, to enable them to recover most quickly to the benefit of everyone who's involved with them. So, um, yeah, the journey's been, uh, the journey's been a, a, a mixed one. I think um, I've realised uh, in recent years that um, I do have grit. <laughs> <laughs> the grit. Grit's interesting because I've been studying it quite extensively over, over the years and, and have actually built in sort of modifiable factors of how we can develop grit into the programs um, that we that we apply to to our clients and um, so in, in sort of learning about that and teaching that I've come to understand that um, fortunately for, for reasons that are nature and nurture um, I've, I've got fairly high levels of grit which is I think is very helpful in any sort of startup and, and growth of, the, of an organization um, because it's it's challenging <laughs> <laughs> and uh, along the way you've made some acquisitions right I think um, one of the big ones was people sense have you had many others and why did you choose to acquire an organization like people sense yeah, it's a great question I think uh, we have had some um, We've, we've had another, we've done a number of acquisitions on our journey, and it was to build the skill set that um, that we needed for Altius to to be multidisciplinary and interdisciplinary, and to be able to offer um, what I believe would be a value to organisations into the future today and into the future. And it's fair to say that um, you know in two thousand seven when uh, the first acquisition was made, which, which was to build out our physical treatment capabilities, our exercise treatment, which you touched on, is so important for, for mental health recovery, but is also clearly key for physical recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, that 
the market really didn't understand uh, integrated health as they probably do today. And so, um, you know, acquisitions have been made and partnerships have been formed so that we're able to offer true depth of expertise in the physical treatment of people, uh, the, the, the rehabilitation of people in the first and foremost, but the physical treatment and the psychological treatment of individuals, um, as well as build out the sort of safety and prevention pieces um, as part of our offering. Because they all are interconnected and clearly if we can um, work with organisations to prevent people becoming unwell, to keep people healthy, uh, then um, it's it's a benefit to the organisation and to the individuals. And ultimately that's, again, another really positive win-win scenario. But acquisitions have been important for us because they've enabled us to um, grow geographies, which can be challenging, um, particularly with so many different types of legislation that exist across different states and territories. It's a complex environment to operate within. And so a depth of knowledge and a depth of understanding of local environments has been very important. Um, a connection to our regional uh, locations and regional communities has been very important. So I'm deeply passionate about, you know, services being provided um, across the country and to communities, you know, having opportunities that, you know, um, someone in the city does as well. So so acquisitions help us with, with that as well, where, where people have, you know, deep connections with their own communities and communities that are serving. Um, so... There's a number of reasons, um, I think, for for us partnering with businesses and, and bringing them into the Altius um, fold, mm. and that's enabled us to, I guess, realise the vision for Altius and to equally um, uh, spread our influence, which I think is incredibly positive for for people and for organisations and, and for communities. Yeah. What are the uh, key elements that you found to be critical for a successful merger? Yeah, good good question. I think, again, um, coming back to the foundational elements that we touched on at the start around what a, what a caring um, sort of environment or care in the workplace is, there's, there's got to be a, a sort of consistency or a um, similarity in the in that thinking process, which aligns to values. People talk about values and cultures being aligned, um, and I think that's incredibly important. The ones that have gone really smoothly have been ones where that is evident from day one, and the one and the and the, the partnerships that have been more challenging are the ones where we have to work through these expectations and and work through and create alignment with these expectations on things behavioural things, simple things that, um, you know, we, we basically create expectations around how the organisation works together. So um, so I think foundationally, you know, we can talk about values and, um, and culture, but really we talk about behaviours that demonstrate or are consistent with um, our expectations of how we want to work together. I think that is crucial. Trust, um, trust is, is crucial. So. Um, you know, I think as an in, as a as a group, as an environment, Altius extends trust. It's the first thing we do is to extend trust to those we work with, and um, and to expect that 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 trust is is built over time. And I think you know, um, again, we've had lots of examples where 
that may not be the typical experience. Um, so, you know, people can 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 approach with um, different levels of scepticism or uh, or or a lack of trust. And so, for me, you know, the key to success is building is building trust. Um, and that's a that's a two way thing. So um, it's an automatic thing that I think as a as a leader I extend to to anyone um, I work with and prospective and new new partnerships um, are very much part of that. Um, and then you know then it becomes a, a two way a two way street where there's an expectation that that will um, that that will be respected and grown over time as well. So uh, and 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 time is important. You know, time to do those things, time to to build those relationships uh, are really crucial. Um, yeah. So there's there's unfortunately there's no real shortcuts to that <laughs> <laughs> because also people you know people move at different speeds and and mm-hmm. um, and so there's there's uh, there's a lot of things that you can do from a process to try and encourage that, but ultimately. You know, time is actually really important and um, perhaps underestimated in terms of um, what's key to success, I think, for mm. partnerships. What are the tangible things that your people can do to build that trust? Yeah, I think um, firstly being, uh, being consistent, so understanding um, intentions. So intentions I think are really importance because um, we can all deal with things going awry when intention is very sound and well understood. Mm-hmm. Um, being consistent, I think, um, is important and that's, um, that's a, for me, that's a really foundational element of trust. So deep, deeply respecting um, and, ha- and having empathy for each other, I think, is, is, is fundamental. And if we're consistent around how we uh, communicate and how we um, work with each other, then again, it's a really nice foundation there. And then having, yeah, being being anchored to to values, call them values or, or sort of demonstrated behaviours that reflect the values of an organisation, mm. um, I think is, is is really important to building trust. Yeah. And I know you are very big on on values, and I guess as you've grown to now being 700 people, it's been really important to reinforce that. How how do you, as a leader of an organisation that size, you know, just demonstrate that I know that uh, your values stand for pride, professional integrity, resolve, innovation, distinction and excellence? What are the things you do to reinforce that that's that's really important in how we do things? There's the there's the process driven things. There's the things that you know position descriptions and appraisals and 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 um, discussions about uh, performance talk about and, and align to those values. So they're constantly referenced. I think is that's 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 part of it. Mm. Um, I think. Also, connecting behaviours to our values is really helpful. So, uh, where we see things uh, in the way which, in which we engage our customers or our clients, the outcomes that we achieve with them, we, we try and link them back to our our values and, and demonstrate how our values have created that um, 
that outcome together with obviously the skill set of the individual and, and the organization. Um, but there's also, you know, a lot of intangible, <laughs> intangible ways that, um, that that values come to life. And um, you know, I, I I think it's it's um, being being vulnerable as a leader is really important. So. Um, we don't always get it right. We, we don't always um, profess to get it right. It's okay to get things wrong, um, uh, and and it's okay to, to 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 own up to that and to learn from that. I think they're they're important fundamentals. So in, I think for me, when I participate in our monthly induction of new team members, or I give the team an update via a, a broadcast, or I think it's important um, for people to. To just see a human um, that um, that's that's leading and and um, and moving forward in a in a consistent approach that, that's that's um, aligned to the values that the organisation has. So there's two parts. I think there's the sort of technical process driven piece that helps reinforce that, and there's also you know the stories we tell um, and how we engage with our with our team. And I think you know for us, Altius has been pretty poor. Storytelling. We haven't been able to um, do uh, do justice to the work that we do in the stories that we tell because we we you know there's thousands of lives that we um, that we improve every single year and uh, I'm not sure that we've done a great job in telling that story very well. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if I know me, am I an expert? <laughs> If you believe like we do that a leader's number one priority is to build a more caring and resilient team who enjoys growing together, you may be interested in these three free resources we've provided at our website, factorc.com.au. The first one is the We Care Credo poster, and this contains the mindset and values of teams that prize self-care, crew care, and red zone care. The second resource is a poster called How to Support a Teammate in Distress. And this provides easy to follow instructions on how to identify someone who's struggling, how to have the are you okay conversation with empathy and how to guide them to the help that they need. And the third resource is a building a mentally healthy culture checklist. And this provides items to think about before you launch an initiative, how you do a great launch, and then thirdly, how to keep the momentum going following the launch. These three free resources can be found at factorc.com.au. What what do you do for self-care, for keeping yourself in in good shape? Well, um, for me personally, um, nature is a, is is an important part of staying balanced, um, and uh, so stripping stripping back technology, stripping back um, uh, access and 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 even people, and just being immersed in in nature. So I, you know, I, I love spending time in the ocean. I, I surf regularly. I um, uh, I love you know swimming in the ocean. I love being in mountains. I don't get to do that very often, but I'm. You know, again, it just, just feel very connected uh, to to myself and very grounded when I'm in the mountains, and so that's um, that's helpful to stay 
um, to stay healthy and to stay well. Mm. And then I think it's just, you know, who we associate with as well. So, um, you know, fortunate to have, you know, a great family and friends and um, relationships that help uh, nourish, you know, me and, and help keep me, keep me well. And that goes uh, for, for my personal life, but also my professional life as well. So mm-hmm. the we work with and the, the clients that we get to work with and the, um, the team that we work with, it's all really important. <laughs> so, you know, we've got to have, we've got to have, um, we've got to have an enjoyment as we go through our journey. And I think that's, um, you know, life is short and, and we, you know, uh, we're constantly reminded of that. We, you know, public figures, um, you know, with untimely passings and, and mm. privately, I'm sure we all, we all have, you know, shocks that come to us around um, people passing without, you know, unexpectedly. So, you know, I think being very, um, very conscious of death is is yeah. a great way to is a great way to live um, live live a, a good life and live a fulfilled life and that's probably less about it's less about happiness because I think happiness is pretty transient. Um, I know even Martin Seligman I think titled his book Authentic Happiness and then went on to write a book called Flourish because he realized <laughs> happiness wasn't uh, all that attainable all that often. So <laughs> yeah, so um, so uh, you know those those elements. For me, are important, um, and I know for you, I think even nature's been a big part of your your life as well. Yeah, very much so. Um, in fact, uh, we're we're planning to do a um, a trip over to um, Margaret River and WA and do the Cape to Cape walk at the end of the year, and we've been planning it for the last last two Decembers, and of course, it just got cancelled, yeah. cancelled, and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, we're really looking forward to that, and and also very fortunate to live there near a, a national park myself, and uh, you know just regularly have doses of um of nature it's a, it's been a real restore for me along with exercise of course so um yeah lots yeah. lots in common there and, and we mentioned you mentioned before we started how you just had a lovely surfing holidays to the maldives what yes. was what was really good about that well firstly traveling internationally was a novelty <laughs> uh, <laughs> i to do that for a while and and that was that was a pleasure. I think, like most things, when you have them taken away, you appreciate them a little bit more. Um, the, the Maldivian sort of culture is really interesting. I thought it's, it's a really interesting um, melting pot of cultures, which that was fascinating. Um, just the country itself. I mean, the fact that it's you know these these multitudes of atolls through mm. like, in the middle of the ocean is quite fascinating and. Um, and look, the waves were great. The water was warm. <laughs> the weather was hot. Um, it's uh, it's pretty hard not to enjoy that sort of stuff. Yeah, and the photos I've seen it just shows very very clear water. Do you find that there as mm, well? Yeah, just, incredibly just, clear. Yes. Mm. Didn't get a chance to uh, to to dive or snorkel with um, manta rays, but they have manta rays and whale sharks there, um, wow. which is yeah really indicative of incredibly clear water. And yeah, it's an amazing place. It's an amazing yeah. place. I remember you once saying uh, about you have quite a, a standard Monday. You know, you, you you plan your Monday a certain way. Can you share how you do that? Yes, I can. I mean, I have um, I have uh, basically 
you know, slots where I catch up with with each of my uh, my team, my direct team, and um, and and talk about the week past and the week ahead. And and I feel, I mean, there's times when I uh, learned over over time that I feel um, most fulfilled and I feel most connected to my team when I'm having regular conversations with them and. Mm. And so that is one way things things obviously can get um, can get overwhelming. Things can you can you can end up very quickly not having time to do those those things. And so the conversations will be personal and professional um, with mm. each of them on a on a weekly basis. And um, and I think that sets off the opportunity for the week. It sets up um, you know what the priorities are for the week, and 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 it and it, it enables us to get. Um, familiar with with where we're going for the week ahead. How many people report to you, and and um, how long do you meet with each of them for? I have um, good question. I have about eight direct reports, and um, and I meet with them for half an hour each. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, what what do you hope the outcome of that is? Those um, you know those those thirty minute meetings yeah i mean there's i think an, an expectation of um of of staying connected of um engagement with each other and with the work that we're doing and, and the work that we're pursuing um uh, a, a prioritization um or even a reprioritization or a reordering of priorities um uh, as as things change, mm. things move so quickly, and um, opportunities evolve very quickly. Things in the sort of macro environment influence us, um, and we have you know heavy, heavy heavy regulation that can be influencing influencing us from from time to time as well. So uh, so being able to move with agility or uh, with with high levels of flexibility is definitely an outcome mm. of having that regular um, that regular opportunity to engage mm. I think the the challenge is then you know how we come together as a team and how everyone gets um, alignment on on those things that's mm. a that's another piece of the puzzle I think that's really important and and um, that's constantly being I guess reevaluated so yeah because things, as I say, continue to change and evolve and and with a growing business, nothing is static. <laughs> <laughs> How do you approach it if someone that reports to you has disappointed you in some way, haven't met the expectations that you had for them? Uh, just honestly, I think, um, you know, I can um, strongly strongly reconcile um, uh, intent I think first and foremost if, if intent is sound then and, and it will be across across my team absolutely and and so then it's like well, what's you know being quite honest about what's what's resulted in us falling short or in an individual falling short of expectation mm. and and on occasion you know um, those conversations, have been, you know, really enlightening for me. You know, the reasons for that 
are ones that have been in, in a blind spot for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I certainly try not to prejudge the outcome um, of those conversations because I can I can learn um, mm-hmm. from those conversations. But equally, I mean, then there's circumstances where things have a pattern or there's something that's perpetuating and repeating, and that's when it becomes, again, just a, a, an honest conversation around um, why expectations, you know, haven't been met and, and what we can do going forward. You know, uh, inevitably over over 21 years, not everything is um, is smooth sailing. And so um, but I'd certainly think that any, any times when, um, people have left the organisation, uh, whether it be, you know, them reporting to me um, or reporting to leaders within the organisation. I um, like to think that they have a very clear, and it's, it's been, a, you know, unwavering fairness, which I think I touched on on my first point. It's, it's mm. been unwaveringly fair and um, it may not be um, ideal or the, the sort of result might not might mean that we part ways, but if it's been an unwaveringly fair process and um, then that's that's important and and you know that's an inevitability i think in you know particularly in a growing and large business i really love that term unwaveringly fair uh, it does really um, say something about your culture if that's your intent that's what you're striving for it's um, you know maximizes the chance of a positive outcome doesn't it it really does i think so yeah yeah I remember you also saying uh, once that you really uh, liked the concept of situational leadership and uh, is that something you still really believe in and and why do you like it so much? I love it. Um, We still absolutely believe in it. It's it's an important part of how we we work and and lead and I I love it because it it respects people's professional journeys and matches a style, a leadership style, um, to their stage, to a stage of their professional journey, and, mm. and um, so I think that's important. And there is no sort of one way to lead, mm. <laughs> and, um, and so you know, to be, I think, to be a great leader, you have to be flexible in your approach. And and situational leadership is is quite simple. It's um, easily understood and it's quite easily applied and so for that reason you know in a world of complexity and, and <laughs> you know, I love simplicity I don't always get there but geez I love simple things and um, and, and situational leadership and that Blanchard model has been one that you know has been part of our organization for a long time and I think people can connect with it quite quite readily. <laughs> we we um, you know we're just talking before the show and um, I was just saying how our We Care program has uh, really taken off. This is a simple, scalable training program. But the framework of it is, uh, as you may recall, was iCare. And uh, I remember meeting with you <laughs> in a cafe in Chatswood uh, with the uh, iCare scribbled across the top. And, uh, you know, when I showed it to you, expl- you and explained it to you, you really liked it and thought it had something and thought it summarised, um, you know, some very, very good elements of recovery. And so yeah. I don't know how long ago that was. It was maybe seven or eight years ago, but um, it's yeah. it's really starting to leverage some results, which is 
so rewarding. You know, we, we, we shared a case study recently of um, SPC, you know, the um, food manufacturing group in Shepparton. And, uh, you know, they've, they've they made it uh, voluntary, but they've had um, close to 75 people choose to do the course. And 92% of them say they feel more confident they help someone in distress. And, yeah. um, and what was also really, really um, rewarding was that a number of them had printed off the help sheets about, you know, how to prepare for mental health discussion, how to find a mental health savvy GP. And, um, and they took them home because they thought it was just as relevant in their personal life as it was for their work life. Yeah. And you would have experienced that so much um, in the work you do. It's just, it just blends so much, <laughs> does it? Uh, work, uh, and, work and life, it really does. Uh, and I think, you know, in that example and in all those examples, you know, it takes, it takes a leader of that organisation to give you access to that, to that community of people, that team, that, that business um, and to be brave enough to do that. And uh, so I'm, you know, firmly of the belief that, you know, to truly influence, we need to influence leaders because, mm-hmm. um, because that's where we can really get um, some benefit across, across the country, across communities and internationally is, is if leaders truly understand the, the benefit of, you know, of a caring approach really. And um, that's why this podcast is fantastic, Graham. I think it's, um, it's a great way to shine a light on, on those opportunities. Yeah, and, and that is exactly why we did start it, Derek, was to show that this isn't theory. You know, there's people that do strive for both care and high performance. And, um, you know, it's not an either or, you know. <laughs> you, uh, you they're, not, they're not mutually <laughs> exclusive. And, um, <laughs> and I think the best results is when there is just this uh, unique overlap. And as you highlighted, having great relationships at work is just as important as having great relationships at home. And, uh, you know, it can spread, spread each way. And, um we have identified, as you've just said then, the number one predictor of a successful program is having a leader that believes in it and a leader that talks about it and a leader that models that behaviour. Mm. You know, if, if if leaders model well-being, it just flows on so much across the organisation. If they live a happy life and a, yes. and a, um, a really fulfilling life, it's, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's great. I mean, we're very lucky. We, we, we do work... To influence people's well-being, and mm. and within the organisation, we can use um, everything we do with our clients. We can use internally for our team yeah. to elevate the well-being of our own team. So, I often think of, um, you know, we have we have a mirror. Really, we 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 mirror uh, what we do internally with what we we do with our clients externally, and. Um, you know, clearly, you know, most of our clients are in much more vulnerable situations than than, than ourselves. But you know, obviously, um, we're fortunate because we understand we understand well being. We understand that the multi multitudes of dimensions to well being. We understand that people access well being in through different pathways, and um, and so that's really helpful because we can we can do that. You know, people understand that internally, and and so when we um, we give them those opportunities, it tends to fulfil uh, really nicely. If you had uh, you know someone within Altius that was suddenly promoted to being a manager, hadn't been a manager before, but they came to you and said, uh, you know, I really want to create a team that does 
that does champion care and high performance, what advice would you give to them? Uh, I'd, I'd say go for it. <laughs> um, I'd say, um, you know, having having clarity on um, on how that that would you know happen in practice. I think is important. Um, you know, again, I think there's this connection between intent and then actions, behaviors, processes, systems, tools. Those things should should connect. And so, um, having having that manager or that that aspiration uh, be connected to practical things that help help realize that I think is really mm-hmm. important because um, most of us most most leaders most managers most people um, want very similar things mm-hmm. uh, the difference is usually in, in in execution or in understanding how those things are brought to life mm-hmm. um, you know how do we how do we feel better how do we create a high performing team how do we lead with care and and create high performance um, and so it's it's as much in probably the advice would be it's as much in the how as in the desire, um, you know, the aspiration. Um, so that that's that's where the rubber hits the road. Yeah. If if you had a uh, a simple message, and you said you like simple <laughs> <laughs> message you'd like to share with the world and could share with the world, what would it be? I think the simple message would be to get up. Um, to to understand that you know um, life's challenges um, and failures are um, are not a reason to stop. You know they're a reason to keep going, and um, and that there is fulfilment on the other side of adversity, and uh, there's growth on the other side of adversity. Yeah, yeah, and that's such a good good. Um philosophy, you know, the get up, I think there's a Japanese saying that says fall down seven times, stand up eight or something. <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, you know, it is because we often learn the most, don't we, in, um, when we do fall down. We have more insight. Generally people do learn much more about the things that don't go well as when they do mm-hmm. go well. So there's there's pluses, yeah. pluses on both sides, that's for sure. Yeah, I think so. I think there's, um, you know, there's, there's value in the struggle. <laughs> mm, yeah. Too yeah, often yeah. people think, oh, it's a struggle and, uh, you know, um, and, and and it's a struggle without uh, without benefit or without um, without importance or, or um, without value, but there is enormous value in the struggle and mm. I've always probably relied on that. So there are plenty of struggles. <laughs> journey, the the amazing journey. It's been absolutely fantastic catching up today, Derek. Uh, If you could um, go back to your 20-year-old self and knowing what you know now, if you go back to your 20-year-old self, what advice would you give yourself? Um, I would say be more vulnerable. Yeah, I think... um, I think there's a real uh, opportunity that the, the growth that comes from that and the opportunities that come from being more vulnerable um, are much greater than than the risks. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I've probably, yeah, probably spent a period of time 
um, thinking the opposite was true. Mm. Um, so certainly in my early 20s, that would have been the case uh, with yeah. um, a different character. Um. <laughs> yeah, we, we learn and grow, but, you know, that vulnerability underpins team psychological safety, doesn't it? You know, we, you don't pretend you know everything. We can be honest with each other. We learn from each other. And hopefully that means us making the best decision, you know, because we tap into those people that do have the best knowledge for making the decisions. So, yes. uh, yeah, that, that's, yeah. A, that's a great one. Um, well, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up today, Derek. Thank you so much. And, um yeah, may your success continue. Thank you, Graham, and, and yours. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you've learned something new and heard some practical tips you can try with your team. If you've enjoyed this interview today, please rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favourite podcast platform. When you rate us, it helps other people to find us. We also welcome any comments. If you're interested in seeing details about our scalable We Care Mental Health training programs, please visit us at C. Our goal for these programs is to make them accessible, practical, and ongoing. If you've been impressed by a CEO that you would like us to interview, please email details to support at factorc.com.au. Thanks for joining us.